Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Welcome today to the latest episode of the Encore podcast. Today, I am delighted to have with me Tammy Watson, who is the Canadian Handywoman. And just that title in and of itself made me intrigued that I needed to hear this woman's story and who she is and how she got to becoming the Canadian Handywoman, because that is so interesting. Then I got to know her and we chatted a little bit and she definitely has a story worth sharing and she's great. So I'm very excited to welcome you, Tammy, to the show today and introduce yourselves to uh, the listeners in a more formal way. So welcome. Thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. It's going to be really fun. You have a neat and unique story because... Actually, a client of mine reached out to me and said, do you know any female handy workers? And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. It scratched my own head and said, I don't actually, but I do know a mutual friend of ours that we're now connected through who knows everyone. And so she connected yes. us. And now, of course, you're going to be in my Rolodex and I'm using an old school name for my uh, contact list because I think it's yes. really cool and unique. And I want to be able to give you more opportunities to grow your business that you're now developing. If you don't mind, if we can start kind of at the beginning, you know, who is Tammy? What did your life look, look like before, say, the age of 50, if that's the magical year for you, as it is for a lot of people? And, you know, your upbringing and the highlights of your life and maybe some lowlights, if you're willing to share them and just kind of give us your backstory. Sure. Well, again, thank you for this opportunity. And yeah, it's, it's definitely been a progression to become the Canadian handy woman that I am today. Um, I started as a, a typical latchkey kid of the 1970s. I was raised by a single mom and I had a really interesting growing up. Influ you know, I had a, a medley of influences. I, I'd like to say I was partially an inner city kid. I grew up in the heart of Jane and Finch and, you know, lots of gangs and violence and all of that during, you know, the, the school hours type of thing. But every wow. weekend and holiday and summer vacation was in rural Deserano. And, you know, so I had a really interesting take on what home values were and two different home values so it was really They're very uh, diverse places <laughs> very diverse places and, oh. and you know i was just an observer of it all and it definitely shaped where i am today so being raised by the single mom you know i had to start working at the age of 12 my very first job was in a campground and it's you know do or die i had to kind of eat so i had to work to eat and it was that's when it all started so i always did what I had to do to to survive and you know mom tried the best she could but it was it was you know her and I kind of against the world so that began a life of me doing what I had to do not necessarily what I maybe wanted to do right. and you know along that journey was you know what what 
was I supposed to do a kid of the eighties? Was I supposed to marry a man? I was supposed to, you know, go to school and I was supposed to get a job and get a house. And I did all that. Right. Um, I kind of knew at the time that I was gay, but I didn't come out with it. I, I did tell, tell my fiance at the time and he was saying hey, whatever, but it, <laughs> it was, it wasn't something that we could openly act on right. um, back in the days, so to speak. Right. So we um, did the, by the age 23, was married, had a house, and was pregnant. Ended up having three kids. Um, I have a, a high, very high needs, three high needs kids. Um, you know, one of them is neurodivergent. And then I have twins that have the asthma, allergies, and eczema, and all the fun stuff. So it was definitely a, an interesting time. Right. Shortly after, you know, the, the kids were, were just getting started in elementary school, he decides to step out on me. So what do I do? I call the woman who he's with and I say, yeah, you realize that he's married, right? <laughs> she uh, kind of hymns in pod. And, and my response was, you know, you get your, your arse out of here. So all of a sudden I became a single mom. And actually during that time, I was known as Canadian mom. So I was an avid crocheter and kind of had a tumbler, uh, you know, scene going on and and did a lot of shows and and crafting and I I was Canadian mom so that was kind of fun and I was you know living on my own my mom was helping me at this point and I had a really good government job I did what I was supposed to do and was I happy not not really was I successful no I was barely holding on as a single mom of three high needs kids um but it was it was fun at that time, I thought. But I was also battling, you know, severe depression, severe anxiety. I spent almost a year in bed, you know, and I only got out of bed to get the kids to school and to feed the kids. And when the kids, you know, weren't when I didn't have to spend time with the kids, then I was in a severe depressive state. How I got out of that. I'm not really sure, but luckily I did. And I've always had a little bit of that kind of depression and anxiety that still follows me to this day. So, you know, shortly after that, once the ex was an ex, I decided, and once the depression had kind of, my head had come out of the fog a little bit, I decided to come out to my mom. And what my mom said to me was, well, I always thought you were gay, but then you married Brian. (laughs) It was like, oh man. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Ma. (laughs) You know, parents always know, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I I met my my partner shortly after that, and we've been together, I guess, 16 years. Nice. Um, Yeah, I guess about 16 years. So we, we, we have gotten married, but I was living the urban life, living in a suburb, commuting I had a great job I was I worked for the government um had the golden handcuff had the pension had the great income and I was miserable right and you know a point came in my life that I couldn't continue on the path I was on it was the I was still dealing with mental health issues it was you know physically I wasn't doing well like in my lifetime I've actually lost over 180 pounds I've gained and lost 180 pounds you know it's it's there's just so many facets to to health and I was slowly dying in the city okay so we this is at the point when you know I looked at my partner and and we said 
both of our parents had both of our moms had just passed and you know we're 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 in our 40s and both of our we were you know the typical sandwich generation we still had kids at home and we were still dealing with elderly parents but you know both of our moms had just passed and and we were like what do we do now so we, the obligation of taking care of our parent was gone um and I said to her, I can't continue with this. And and she knew that I couldn't continue with this. So we did have a, a small cottage in the middle of nowhere in what is North Frontenac, so about an hour and a half north of Kingston, pretty close to Pond Echo Provincial Park, in the middle of nowhere. It was a cottage. The utilities were an afterthought to this place. So there's nothing glorious about this at all but it's got peace and quiet. So we sold the house in the city and I quit my job six years before I was eligible for my pension. So that means until I turn 65, I can't get any of that. And I was 49 at the time and that was kind of my awakening. Right. And gave it all up without any plan and moved into the middle of nowhere. I love that because that is literally the ultimate leap of faith and just trusting that it's going to be okay, but so worth it because your health, your mental and physical health is worth that risk. You know, staying where you were sounds like you knew what, how that was going to end and it wasn't in a good place. So being brave enough and strong enough to take a leap of faith and do something courageous to completely change your life is amazing. I love also that your wife came with you. So what was her world like? Did she have a job she had to leave as well? And, you know, that's like not only that's a double down that you both took a leap and went together. So good for you. It was. And, you know, why she came with me, I don't know. <laughs> but, well, you know, it's, it's you. the ultimate love story. Right. So yeah. uh, we were married at that point and and it, it was it was kind of she's um her, her parents are from Europe. She was born in Canada, but, you know, half of her family were born in Europe. And, you know, her parents kind of did the exact same thing when they were beginning life. And, you know, she so she knows what it is. You know, she grew up in an environment where they left everything behind and, and just trusted each other and, and did the right thing and, and did quite well for themselves. So, you know, that wasn't too foreign for her. And and we just we just did it with with no real plan. And honestly, it was the best decision of my life. Right. And I may not know what my future has to hold. But I am in such a better place. Well, I can tell you're actually smiling when you're talking. And, you know, some yeah. of that story was hard. So I do appreciate you being honest, even about the hard stuff. And it's good for other people to hear that, you know, there are people who are resilient and have gotten through some of those darker times. And there's, yeah, life kicks us around sometimes. But, you know, we get up and kick back, which is yeah. really important. And again, not coincidentally, I think that that came to you at 49, which is pretty close to the age of 50. I truly believe there's something magical about that age. And I don't know sure. if it's magical good or magical bad, but we certainly all stop and go, hold up. If I'm halfway over, what have I been doing? And do I want to keep doing this for the second half? It's just such a moment when I think everybody stops to reevaluate where they've been. And clearly you were on a similar trajectory. Absolutely. So how did you become the Canadian handywoman? Well, you know, when you, you talk about the trajectory and, and which way we're going, I didn't have a game plan. You know, we, we were like, what do we do now? So 
this was just before the pandemic and I had started working as a general handyman for a local lodge. And unfortunately, what they could pay was not enough for me to pay my bills. You know, I still had to make a living. And I've always had kind of the entrepreneurial seed in me. You know, I, I don't know what it was, but I think all my crafting years were were, you know, uh, an education in how to run a small business. And that's what I decided to do. So that's when I went from being Canadian mom to being Canadian handy woman. I love and that. I didn't know there was a bit link. That yeah, there, there was, there's, there's a link to it. Absolutely. So um, I put up my shingle. So I was originally actually uh, Trillium and Maplewood's handy woman service, because literally when I look out my, my window, I'm in a maple forest with with trillium flowers every spring. It's absolutely you know breathtaking. Plus, it's my initials, so it was kind of. But nobody knew what I did. Right. And shortly after I began that, that's when it it segued into well, you know, Canadian handy woman is, is kind of the thing. So I specialized in doing the small jobs. So there's lots of contractors out here. There is and there isn't, right? There's there's we could always use more tradespeople. Always use more tradespeople, but. I started to to specialize in the small job and you know there's a lot of people that need to put shelves up to need to hang its TV that need a doorknob changed and and there's really not a lot of people out here that can do that I've always had a, a you know a, an inclination to be to work with my hands I was actually one of the I was the first girl in the city of North York to win the shop award in 1986. Wow, awesome. and because of that, you know, it went from girls being able to take shop as an option to where no, you know what, girls can really take shop now. And, and it was no longer an option. It was kind of a requirement. And boys took home act too. So right. that was kind of fun to to be part of, of that whole of that whole exchange. But we um I was doing great. I, I I was busy. I was always booked out. And I always seem to have a, a certain type of client. You know, I, I'm my clients are usually female. I definitely make them feel safe. And they wanted to be able to do the work themselves. They just didn't know how to do the work themselves. So I've started to actually change my business model a little bit from where I'm going to do your handy woman work for you to where I'm going to teach you to be your own handy woman. So that's where my business is transitioning to. to I'm going to now, you know, be a mentor on introduce you to tools, what, what, how to use a tool, when to use a tool and, and just have a kind of a community of let's not be afraid to try something that is outside of our scope. Yeah, that is really great. And continuing to watch you evolve it from, you know, doing the actual work yourself to actually, well, as I say, you know, you can fish or you can teach someone to fish. So great because you're actually teaching people life skills, making them better. So I'm sure they appreciate that and spread the word that this service is available, which is great. I had a thought while you were chatting that I'm very curious about. Have you experienced any pushback or resistance in what would traditionally be a male-dominated service or industry? My whole life has been, every career I've had has been a a non-traditional industry. So I was in law enforcement when I was with the government. And they were all guys, you know, it, the, the women were, were like, when I started, we still had 
um, typing pools, you know, where, where the women were the typists. And, you know, this was before we, we had computers. So it was kind of interesting even remembering going from typing on an old school typewriter to, to putting it on the computer. And, and it was women had a place in the government and it wasn't being on the front lines. It was definitely being kind of behind the scenes. So that was my first um, real, this is being in a man's world. And today, again, I don't get pushback. I get, I'm getting a lot of people who are, are inspired. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really trying to show that there's so many transferable skills in, in what we're learning, the independence that you can gain you know, women, women of our generation, for, for one reason or another, they're, they don't have someone to always fall back on to do this work for them. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's family, whether they're, they're widowed or divorced or, you know, their parents or their brother isn't around anymore. And they really need the opportunity to be able to feel confident enough that they don't have to hire someone and maybe feel cheated in getting really simple chores done around the house that that aren't isn't that difficult so you know the whole gatekeeping aspect of of being a a handyman um now now it's you know the handy woman's world now yeah i really like as well that you touched on the safety aspect of it because you know i have an 85 year old mother who lives alone and whenever she has to have a service call for something it's in my mind you know, someone's coming to help her with some plumbing or someone's coming to, you know, do a furnace cleaning or whatnot. You know, she's alone and she's vulnerable. Let's put it that way. And not because there's anything wrong with her, just because of her age and because she's alone. So she could potentially be alone in her place with a complete stranger. And that worries me. And unfortunately, my sister and I can't always get there to attend the appointment with her. So she does it because she's a strong lady, but it is in the back of your mind. And so I would definitely go to someone like you, because I would just feel that level of comfort. And unfortunately, and I know you touched on it, there's just so many widows. I meet them all the time. And, you know, they just, you know, didn't learn those life skills because they counted on someone else to do them. So the fact that you're going to, you know, not only go in and do the job for them, but take the extra time to teach them, you know, what does a screwdriver do? What does a hammer do? How could I change the light bulb next time myself? is amazing. I love that pivot. I love that evolution of what you're doing. That's amazing. I've always been a service provider. All of my jobs, right from when I was 12 years old, was always helping someone. So, you know, it's definitely just a natural progression. And being an entrepreneur in the process now is so rewarding. And, you know, it's actually probably the hardest thing that I've ever done is being an entrepreneur. Hmm. You know, when I moved out to our cottage, something really strange started to happen. I was feeling great, but then all of a sudden I wasn't feeling so good. And what I realized, what I thought was a flex was actually childhood trauma that I hadn't dealt with. You know, like when I say, oh yeah, I had to start working at 12. It's like, well, you know what? That's not really a good thing. (laughs) So, (laughs) and I guess there was a lot of those flexes that I have throughout my life that I thought had made me stronger. And and yeah, they did make me stronger, but they're not really a flex. They're just the dealing with trauma that, that had happened throughout our lifetime. And what I realized was I couldn't start healing from those instances until I was in a safe place. And that's what leaving the toxic environment that I was in, you know, when I had my career with the government, I was finally in a situation where I could begin to heal. Right. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. And you live now in basically everyone's dream. Uh, my understanding is, you know, it's it's wilderness, it's secluded, it's beautiful, and that's you know everyone needs peace, and everybody just needs a safe space to be home and feel safe. So you're fortunate that you have that. I'm curious what your friends and family thought when you decided, you know what, I'm selling it all and I'm moving up north. Did you have people who were curious about what you were doing or for, were they supportive for the most part? Um, people were actually pretty supportive. And I actually have inspired a couple people to kind of do the same thing. You know, they were just waiting for someone to do it. And, you know, or it was something in the back of their mind. And it's like, well, if Tana can do it, then anyone can do it. And that's kind of, you know, the whole mantra behind, you know, me being a handywoman. It's like, yes. I might have a really cool tool collection and, and I know how to use them all, but there's other than having it, there's no real secret to doing it. Right. It's, it's just being able to try. And I think it wasn't a big surprise that I am living in the middle of nowhere. Um, like I'm definitely more of, of a rural person and there was a huge learning curve. You know, it's not easy living. It's very difficult going from having a lot of municipal services to living with almost no municipal services, you know, utilities. There's a whole learning curve to being a rural resident, which was kind of surprising. But again, it just makes us tougher. Right. My big question when I look at properties like that is always, is it a year-round service road? I just want to know Absolutely. if I can get in and out. <laughs> yep. Not only is it a, a year ground service road but is the water underground <laughs> you know like will i have running water who, who knew that you know water would be such an issue and it's fun yeah that's good so what does a typical day look like today for you we have chickens now <laughs> we we like everyone else during the the pandemic but we had planned to get the chickens and um so you know start my morning with opening up the ladies and getting whatever eggs are there um, doing a little bit of computer work and then going out to a client's place. And my commute is every day it's different and it's always so beautiful. It's, you know, honestly, I don't have traffic jams anymore. I have turkey jams, you know, right. like there's, it's, it's, <laughs> there's a lot of wild turkeys in, in the area. So it's, uh, you know, realizing why the speed is 80 there's an hour up here it's because of the wildlife you know you have to have enough time to stop because there's a lot of wildlife up here so i used to hate having to go to queen's park and just dreaded that whole yes <laughs> getting to downtown toronto and now i don't care where i've got to commute to now uh, a half hour anywhere around me is just an, an incredible drive Oh, yeah, it's beautiful in that part of the country. I mean, you're just really in the beautiful countryside, particularly in the fall. Nothing better than a sunny fall day in the full bloom of colors and great music on the radio and just being alone with the road. That is everyone's dream. That's beautiful. I love that as well. And what, where do you see yourself going next? Do you think you're going to slow down? Do you think you're going to continue to grow? What, what's the plan look like for Tammy? It's hard to say. So, you know, I I still have dreams and aspirations. I have a college education, but I've always wanted a, a university education. So I'm, I'm, you know, 52 now. And I was actually just listening to one of your other podcasts where someone at age 52, I began, believe started running or something, right? Ah, yes. That was yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, hmm, she can do it at 52. Maybe I can too. So who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll get a, a degree of some sort next. That would be amazing. You're right. 
100% amazing. Yeah, it's really cool to listen to everyone's stories and to hear so much inspiration and energy because I feel like, and I know you've heard some of the other ladies say that like, I'm just getting started. When I think about what I'm going to do for the next 20 years, I don't see any signs of slowing down. It's not in my DNA, I don't think. And there's no reason to slow down. You know, we have, you know, tons of energy and tons of ability and capacity to learn and the full support of our worlds. And why would we, right? One thing that I really noticed moving up here is that the resources for being a woman up here is vast. Like there are a lot of resources. If you just kind of look, I have had so much help in starting my business off, you know, support. I've got a couple grants that were awarded to me. I've had, you know, been part of master classes to learn how to be a better business person. You know, we're just starting with meeting in person, which is, you know, so inspiring seeing how some of these women have, you know, prospered over the last couple of years, especially with all this pandemic. So it's really rewarding to know that there are a lot of agencies and services that are there for women entrepreneurs that no matter what level or what stage you're in in your business. Yeah, I've been fascinated by the amount of support, and I'll call it broadly Eastern Ontario, so where we all reside now. And maybe I wasn't paying attention previously because I was also wrapped up in corporate life. So I wasn't really paying attention to what resources there were. But when I moved out this way and actually got involved in the community and the networking and the actual municipalities, for me, it's either, you know, the city of Kingston or Loyalist Township, you know, Greater Napanee and up as far with you in Frontenac. There's amazing services and supports and resources. And you just really feel like your community is cheering you on and wants to see you be successful. So that's amazing. I love Mm -hmm. that. I'm going to just go back a little bit. If you could talk to 12-year-old Tammy, what would you tell her? I'd say, don't be afraid to cry. We were taught we had to be stoic. We had to, you know, suck it up and take it. And I'd say it's okay to laugh. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be emotional. And just, you know, hug your mom and tell her how much you love her. Oh, that's so sweet. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, we, I was raised in the same generation, obviously, and no one was dealing with their emotions or their feelings. And in my world, you know, there would be like the worst household fight that you could imagine. And the next day, no one spoke of it. There was no healing. There was no addressing. We just moved on and pretended that never happened. And I remember being a little girl thinking, shouldn't we talk about maybe what happened yesterday? But guess we're not going to. So you put on a brave face and you marched on. But like you, then that just became stuff and baggage that you carried forward and you never dealt with. So I 100% agree with you. I love that you, you know, would want to tell that little girl and every little girl today and everyone who might be listening. Yeah, it's okay. Sometimes we all need to cry and sometimes we all need to. And you know what? Not only the the little girls, but the little boys too. Like it's so important that the kids, it's funny. I actually just came to the realization if I could go back and tell my But when I was a young parent, I would ask my kids when they would misbehave, you know, teenagers, being a teenager, I wouldn't deal so much with what they were doing, but why they were doing it. Good for you. I I think that's probably one thing that I'd like to go back and and tell a, a younger version of myself as well. That's some really good parenting for sure. And you know what? We're still, I have children similar age to yours and we still make mistakes on a daily basis when you're, cause you're just assuming now they're adults and you can talk to them like adults or mis- 
speak sometimes because we do as well. And then I'm thinking like, I'm still parenting. They're still watching and, you know, we need to communicate better and be thoughtful about, okay, this is what the person is saying, but there is a why behind what they're saying. So you're very wise. I appreciate that. So the Canadian handy woman, that is who you are today. And you're continuing to evolve that. I love the journey that you've been on and I love the trajectory that you're on and that you're finding peace and happiness for you. And I love that you've shared your story and have been very candid and honest through some of the good times and more difficult times. If people wanted to get in touch with you, where could they reach you? Yeah, so my website is CanadianHandyWoman.com, and I'm pretty much more on, on Facebook than anything else, and it's at the Canadian Handy Woman. Okay, that literally sounds like it's going to be a TV show. <laughs> Great Canadian Handy Woman. I'm going to submit that to CTV or something. Well, Sharon, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, you could actually be the original. I think I should know somebody who could pitch that. That sounds like a great TV show. Just follow right? you okay. I all your interesting stories and things like that. Yeah. I think we're going to pitch that to somebody. And then next thing you know, you're going to be a reality TV star. And who expected that, right? <laughs> well, I'd uh, uh, like to thank you for joining me today to be interviewed and to share your story with all of your listeners. I appreciate your time. And I love that you're continuing to grow and evolve. And, you know, there's no stopping you. I'm excited to be part of your journey. And I'm definitely going to be referring you some business. And I hope to get other people to do so as well. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sherry.